Hello and welcome to episode two of Leading to Sales. My name is Brett Williams. I'm your host today and I have a very special guest and a very good friend of mine that we're going to be bringing in here momentarily. He is one of the best representations that I have ever met of an old Zig Ziglar quote that I, I really have kind of adopted and made one of my life quotes. And that is, you can have everything in life you've ever wanted if you just help enough other people get what they want. And Justin Michael, who is our guest today, is hands down one of the best representations of that. So I'm going to get him in here in just a moment. First, we'll be right back right after our intro. Welcome to the Leading to Sales podcast. Every week, we're bringing you leadership, sales, and marketing strategies to help you move your business forward. Here's our host, internationally known sales and marketing leader, Brett Williams. Welcome, Justin Michael. How's it going, man? Good. How are you, Brett? It's good to see I you. I am awesome. You too. You too, dude. That's it's uh it's been a wild Monday already and and working on getting everything up and rolling. How's sunny California? It's beautiful, man. It's been a little chilly, but uh yeah, I got some good work done on the weekend, went for some runs in paradise. We can't complain, right? We get beautiful sun every day. So uh <laughs> it's so true. But, uh, it's so true. That's I'm I'm here in Charlotte and you know we've kind of been unusually warm here lately. And so I mean we're running like high 70s low 80s in November, which is I mean to me extremely strange. I'm used to actually having fall. And so it's it's a bit yeah. of a different experience. But um dude, I appreciate you for coming on guys. I mean this when I'm my my experience just to kind of introduce how Justin and I came across each other. I actually came across Justin on a link a LinkedIn live show that he was doing. So it's kind of like come full circle now. Like <laughs> you know, I engaged him from LinkedIn <laughs> and uh, honest to God didn't know who in who in the world he was, but I was like, this guy looks like he's got his stuff together, so let's have a conversation. And it was um I can tell you that he and I have formed a really good friendship here. And I don't know what's it been. I mean, it's been since COVID, right, Justin? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, I really enjoyed getting to know you because you're friends with, uh, you know, some of the these all time best authors, you know, one of the things I do is I go collect dusty books, you know, I, people are like, yeah, that method doesn't work anymore. So I'll go and I'll go and read that method specifically, right? Like people that came before Mike Bosworth, Je Jeffrey Gittimer, right? Um, people have written these traditional sales books that, you know, maybe they're not always dominating the LinkedIn feed. You know, one, one of the things I've noticed is if you're really good at content marketing and dominating the LinkedIn feed, it doesn't necessarily mean you're really good at B2B sales. So I'm really interested in like who spent time in the field closing seven figure deals and what are those insights? And I'm not taking anything away from the modern marketers who are blasting on my LinkedIn, but you got to dig deeper for like, Think about it. If you want to learn to heli ski, you don't want to learn to someone who writes great books about heli skiing <laughs> that's never skied. You're someone who's like actually out there every day on the mountain. And there's a voice for both the practitioner, the doer, and the elegant theorist and talker, right? I love corporate executive board and Gartner and Forrester, and a lot of those analysts were in the field. But it's also really cool to hear from people who are banging the phone every day. You know, I like what Scott Ingram will do is like 1% show and just find people like Amy Quick that are out there doing, you know, security sales and in the arena. Um, what are they seeing right now for real in, in COVID? What are the, what are the processes and the, you know, just yes. a little different. So um, <laughs> it really, and you know, what's funny is that's, that's the perfect lead in because, you know, there's, there are so many talking heads, if you will, with the with everything going on with COVID, you've got talking heads popping up everywhere. And it's kind of hard to know who to trust. And I think that was one of the things that like attracted me to you was you've been like in the dirt for years. I mean, it, for a lot of people who don't, who haven't known Justin in the past or even ha are just starting to get to know him, he seems, uh, you seem like a little bit of an overnight success, but you and I were talking the other day about how you're anything but an overnight success. So tell, tell me a little bit about your journey. Like how did you get to the point that you're at now? Yeah. So um, I have been in this stuff for 25 years. I just turned 40. I've been selling just about everything since I was 21. Um, I came up in startup incubators for the first 10 years in Southern California. 
And uh, my brother left IBM for Google, and he uh, ended up becoming an inventor and building a couple divisions. He's a, a, a published Python author. He learned from Guido von Rostam. So I just thought, I'm going to follow my brother into tech, and I'll do sales, right? And uh, I wasn't very good when I started. I was pretty average. And uh, <laughs> I got my first sales job. I fell into it. And there's some immediate lessons. There's like this pocket of five to 10 people out of like 10,000 reps, and they were making you know, six figures, telemarketing. And I'm like, what are you doing? So I started studying them. And they'd be going back and forth to Las Vegas stuff. I was a kid. I was like 21, 22, 23. I'm like, I'm going to be like them. First thing is they were getting up at 3 a.m. every day. And they were working this Eastern seaboard hours. And like everything they were doing was so precise. And their work ethic and discipline was nuts. It was like, I thought we were getting into telemarketing so we didn't have to <laughs> really focus our lives. So that was the first thing is, uh, there's there's no uh, magic bullet. There's no secret. Uh, people that are excellent at anything, uh, don't let it fool you. I, I mean, I I'll re I recount the story. I I used to go to this jazz night in L.A. on Sundays. I was pretty cool. You have to get in with a tie. And uh, touring artists like Macy Gray and Christina Aguilera and John Mayer would come in and jam at this club in Los Angeles. And uh, one night, Paris Hilton came in, and she I was right next to her. We got to talking. And that's where it really dawned on me, like, she was, you know, not, you know, that's hot. She was uh, extremely intelligent, well-versed, cultured, educated, knew everything about jazz. It was like, oh, I get it. You know, like, you built that brand to be successful. So this idea that you're going to wing it in sales or fall into it or you just have a knack or give to gab, like, I got shredded on that. I just saw 10,000 people not perform. And then this pocket, we're still friends this day. One of the, one of those sales leaders, um, he grew up golfing with Tiger Woods. He's a golf instructor. Wow. He's kind of, you go to the, the driving range and he hits the ball and like everybody at the driving range is like quiet. <laughs> like a UFO just goes over the end. It's just, he just silences the whole range. Like, what are we doing? I actually, I used to go to the gym. My buddy was on the Denver Broncos. He, he came from Santa Barbara, this guy, Brad Van Pelt. And I used to go to the gym to watch him work out. He'd take like two 45 pound weights and he'd just like string them around his neck on a, on a chain. I didn't even know there was a chain in the gym. He'd like chain him to himself and then he'd just start bunny hopping up the back stairs of the whole thing. And it was like superhuman, <laughs> like the scene in Superman where the guy was, he was moving athletically at a level where they didn't even have um, equipment for his workout. <laughs> that's, inc that's incredible. So, so these lessons taught me. Um, that if I was really going to go big in B2B sales, I would have to have a discipline and a focus and do something unusual. And uh, ironically, I didn't even really start reading the books and things till um, about 10 years later, till I was 31. Because then I got to Silicon Valley and I got a hold of a, a Jill Conrath book. And that just started it all. I was like, wait, people wrote this stuff down? <laughs> <laughs> and then I got pretty obsessed with, with reading and discovering all the sales books, which I know we have in common, but I want to let you talk to man. I could just go no, forever. Dude, that's, this is good. This is good. I, I do think, I think your mic might be rubbing your, your jacket a little bit there. Oh, just a little bit of feedback. Sorry it's not a big deal. That's our, it's all good. That's, I have to watch yeah. the same thing. I'm really good at like talking with my hands. Cause I'm so used to talking in person and I'll end up like just beaming this microphone at some point. I didn't even um, know I had a microphone on here. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No. So you are, um, Speaking of books, I mean, that's one of the things that we do have in common. Um, and this is complete vanity, but I actually, um, this is something that I thought that uh, you would actually appreciate. I'm grabbing this off of my desk, which is not the way I don't, I think you're supposed to, uh, to do these, but you and I appreciate amazing old books. And this is one, I think I actually may have shown this to you. This is one that I've got. This is a first edition, first printing copy. I think I showed this to you but it's actually signed by Ogmandino, um, <laughs> the greatest miracle in the world. One of the most amazing um, just mindset books when it comes to sales or just mindset in general. But anyway, sorry, I was playing a little Jeffrey Gittimer there, speaking of one of the classics. <laughs> um, so, you know, you've actually got a book that's coming out soon and I am like beyond excited to get my hands on this thing. I told you I was actually going to ship my copy to you to have to have signed. I think like that's, the only way I'm going to be able to sign these things. Um, so I, I'm creating a book called Tech Powered Sales, which is coming out in um, June of 2021. And uh, so one of the books I found to continue the story. So I, I ended up uh, slogging away in startups. And then I, 
I got hired by Sean Parker of all people. I had some investors who just put me out of my misery. They're like, Hey, we, <laughs> we know Sean Parker. Cause I was in Silicon Valley, just, you know, thrashing like a halibut out of water. I was just sitting there trying to get a job, but I'd done a ton of work for nonprofits and a lot of software as a service. And so they knew Joe Green and Sean. And so my first job was this site called causes.com. And of course I got the job because someone working directly for Sean went back to school and she had run the top 200 nonprofit campaigns. And I got to work, you know, I got to save sea turtles and work with charity water and work with Amnesty <laughs> International and just, you name the top 200 uh, organizations. I got an ivory band done in Thailand. Uh, it was great. I, I worked on uh, anti-trafficking initiatives with not for sale. And I just did all this killer stuff and, um, got to work with Betty White well, to, to help some puppies out, you know, just cool <laughs> That's so awesome. it was a really fun job. I would have paid to be there, to be honest. Um, but that job got me kind of hooked in to Silicon Valley. And from there, I went to Salesforce and LinkedIn and then a variety of ISVs. I moved up from inside sales to an account executive, to an enterprise account executive, to a director of sales, to an RVP of sales, and then all the way to VP of sales and then VP of ops, where I effect, uh, effectively replaced the chief operating officer and just ran an entire company, which was insane. You think I work hard now? That was like, what's your work schedule? Every waking hour. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> it was that company. Um, and then I, I did a company where we worked as almost an agency to 100 startups. And so, geez, I learned a lot of, along the way. And uh, what was really hard is I never had parallel assisted dialers. I never really had the full technology stack. So I had to be MacGyver. Is my mic better? Just making sure. Yeah, you're good. You're good. Okay. So what happened is I would inherit, okay, here's your email. Okay. I just get HubSpot or here's your CRM Salesforce. Maybe they would get me a Tout app or a Yesware, but they're, we were early stage startups uh, raising from 3 million to 200 million. And you kind of just had the gear you got. So I had to figure out how to make that work and how to be effective. And I was really big on calling because I had come from uh, telemarketing and I was always trying to look for being more strategic than transactional in the approaches that I would use. So that's what happened, uh, the development of combo prospecting. If you go to comboprospecting.com, I took on a mentor. I was being trained on the challenger sale in a uh, blizzard in Chicago. And <laughs> I'm such a contrarian. I'm getting trained on the challenger sale and I'm going, I don't really agree with this because, and, and you know why? Because I took salsa dancing lessons and I sucked. I could not get, <laughs> I'm like a trained jazz musician, right? I cannot get my feet to salsa. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, Rahul, you're right. Tout up actually got acquired by Marketo and it's Marketo connect. And, uh, TK Cadle, I think did that deal. He's an awesome thought leader that you should follow. Um, so yes, how does this equate? <laughs> um, how does how does this equate to salsa? Right in Challenger Sale, again back to the ivory tower comment. These analysts, Brent Adamson and Chris Dixon, figure out that you need nine-step teaching commercial choreography pitch. Choreography was like dancing. So I'm going in there and I'm doing my simulation. And my coach in this blizzard of Chicago Hilton is Susan St. Ledger, who's now the president of Splunk. So yeah. no pressure. She's like, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Anyhow, right hand. She ran the Salesforce marketing cloud. I fell flat on my face. I couldn't, I couldn't remember the nine steps. I was like, wait, I have to now rationally drown. Okay. Ah, you know, <laughs> I kind of <laughs> went too fast. So I, I went to YouTube and I did a Google search. I put challenge to challenger. And that's where like Tony Hughes in Australia, RSVP selling comes up. I watched a video. I think this video had a hundred views. And uh, I was just so blown away because um, I was really trying to learn strategic selling. Yeah. And at this time, I was kind of going into different startups and roles, and I would go interview with a startup to be a VP of sales because I just wanted, I was going to jump the shark. Just put me in as VP of sales. I've been at Salesforce, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's and, like a, a de facto, like, you know, rubber stamp, right? You've been at Salesforce. Yeah. Go for it. Well, it does open all the doors. It, it really does. And and keep in mind, I got rejected by Salesforce uh, probably 75 times prior. Wow. So for those of you out there who think, how did I get there? I, I don't have a college degree. In fact, it was very hard to find my high school diploma. I think I left at 16 years old. <laughs> this is a bit of a goodwill hunting story. And one of the reasons I work so hard is so my daughter uh, won't have to waste 10 years of her life to get to square one. Yeah. Um, 
where am I going with, with all this? So yeah, I'm interviewing this startup and uh, <laughs> this young founder, Jessica Ma, was called Indonero. I think one of her advisors was Scott Lees and he read a business plan that I was doing and he just looked at it and he was like, dude, you're a regurgitator of books. You don't have the experience of building these startup companies. So that was it. I, I thank Scott Lees for this. I threw down the gauntlet. I'm like, I'm moving to Silicon Valley. I'm going bigger on this stuff. And uh, all I cared about for 10 years was experience. I just wanted to do it. Yeah. If I read it, I would do it. If I learned it, I would try it. I found every email system, every program. I met Scott Britton, uh, who's now at Troops.ai. I did the, the um, what was it called? A cold email course on Udemy that sold 16,000. I got the Brian Kreuzberger yeah. template. I don't even know how I got the thing. I used that. I set meetings with that. Um, I played every position on the team. Yeah. I did customer support. I did renewals. I worked with sales engineers. I did the sales development teams. I did go-to-market strategy. I worked with marketing. I even ran the LinkedIn profiles of certain CEOs. So I was everywhere and uh, basically just willing to work the hardest. Yeah. Even I've even had a company say, look, I don't want you <laughs> to work 14 <laughs> hours a day, you know, like work less. Yeah. I just had this huge chip on my shoulder because I had been algorithmically spit out by so many companies. Yeah. And so all that hard work started to build up experience where over many years, it's like, well, I did run an SDR team for a few years and I have handled that deal. And I always had the heart of a consultant. I never stayed anywhere more than one or two years. Yeah. But the reason this is valid for my current system is I help companies crack things in 90 days. Companies in COVID are going, my emails don't get opened. My pipelines dried up. I had this huge pipe. The thing hit, it's gone. Yeah. And I can come in and say, you know what? Uh, I have cracked the top funnel within 90 days at 12 startups. And then I've built a consultancy and done this for 100 startups. And so the fast results is something like all of us get worried about. We're like, that's not very trustworthy. It seems like snake oil. That's a hack or a crack. It's different when you're next on the line where you like have something to prove. Everyone thinks you'll fail. You have the wrong resume. It's like this kid's going to come in here and three to five X our pipeline. It's impossible. Yeah. Um, and we could talk about a lot of ways that I figured it out, but I had to figure it out. And everybody thought I couldn't. So it was the yeah. perfect reason to do it anyway. And I was just a fully rogue person. I mean, I had like, you know, a year at Salesforce. I ended up getting hired by LinkedIn. Yep. I got trained on Sales Navigator there, which was really cool. And then I worked primarily in mobile ad tech and MarTech. And I kind of stayed in that niche because I really started to understand the technology. And uh, I even got all the way to almost getting a product role at a very famous company that I'm not allowed to mention, but you can imagine. And honestly, that was the greatest honor of my life because <laughs> when I started this business, I really was not technical. Like I didn't understand APIs or code or how any of this stuff worked. And by the end of the 13 years, I could sit down with highly technical mobile app builders, uh, advertisers, and I understood it all. All the tech inside the app, all the analytics, all the solutions, all the people behind the solutions, the ecosystem, like the, the amount of encyclopedic knowledge I had on how to take a, a mobile app, like the Uber app or the Starbucks app, and, and make it successful um, was pretty deep. Yeah. I'm blabbering on. Tell, no. tell me some thoughts. What are your responses? No, you're, this, is, this is awesome. You know, it's, like I was saying, I think the thing that gets me the most about what you're doing is, yes, you're a thought leader. Yes, you're, you know, th there are all these things that all these titles or labels people are going to attach to you. But really what it is, is you're just a gut level, work your guts out, figure it out. And then the thing that's incredible about to me, and this is, I'm, I, you know, I'm not saying this just to blow smoke because it's just not how I roll. But the thing that's incredible is you have now at a level that, that is really even hard for me to comprehend, turned around and made it your mission to help other people at the highest level. And it, it's not one of these frou-frou, hey, pay me two grand and you can get in and I'll teach you what I know. Like you have started what, how is it that you, you have worded it? Um, you've started the B2B sales revolution <laughs> and, and the way that you've done it is by truly having a giving mindset and heart. And I see that every day in what's known as the sales borgs. So this is like, Justin has created this community of sales development people. And here's the thing. I, I am not an SDR. Okay. 
I am part of this community because it's amazing. And you've created this community by giving back the simple frameworks that you have developed over 20 plus years of just getting, for lack of a better word, punched in the face. Yeah. I mean, it's a great quote by Mike Tyson. Like everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Like all this stuff is totally elegant, but in the arena, it's messy. It's like cage fighting. I mean, you're out there. I show people every day. I make cold calls and I do that on the connect and sell dialer. And thank you for sponsoring me. I'm able to call, you know, do two days worth of calls in 45 minutes. And most of the people here have seen it. And uh, it doesn't get easier just because I've been on a phone for 20,000 hours. I mean, I get hard rejected. They say not interested. But I am calm when I when I feel the sting of the rejection, and I do all sorts of funny things. What would interest you? Just hilarious. Like, yeah, I don't get any value solution. That's fine. Let's pivot the call. What kind of solution could I sell you? Like, it's like a very Kramer in Seinfeld, where he's like, "Press the name of the movie you'd like to see." You know, like, I do all these crazy stunts because I just I'm impenetrable from an emotional perspective. I have a full like Zen detachment on getting rejected. Yeah. I've just, I've been the home run king and the strikeout king. What started to happen is I started selling for a company that um, had a bit of a mercurial relationship with Facebook. And so they had to build these technologies and do these sales despite Facebook not being happy. And all the competitors integrated with Facebook except this company. And they brought me in to open their Chinatown office. And it was sort of just like against all odds, I was going to build funnel. Not only did I build funnel, I built like six years of funnel in six months. The first thing they said is, you know, people in mobile don't answer the phone. Like cold calling is not going to work in this industry. So I'm in Chinatown. I'm like another snowstorm. It's a blizzard. It's this time of year. And I used to take the, the train from the Upper East Side down to Chinatown, walk through Little, Little Italy, if you can imagine, like a blizzard. Little Italy, I'm in my snow boots. And I'm just coming up with the stuff that now I'm teaching 500 people. It's lonely. It's cold. Nobody knows my name. I'm working for this tech company in Seattle. I'm the I'm one of a few people in this crew in Chinatown. I just start sitting in this uh, the back of the office in a little cubicle, honestly, because the cold calling was disruptive. Can you call in the back? <laughs> We're making these calls in the back. Here's the broom closet. Here's the broom yeah. closet. Please go I in here. I don't have Zoom info. I don't have lead IQ. I have nothing. I create these spreadsheet systems so that I can map uh, the direct dials and the extension numbers. And so I can memorize and I can uh, methodically and manually do account-based sales. Basically, I created these target lists. I color code them. I stack rank them. And then I have all the direct dials and I create breadcrumbs so that every day I can hit you know 30 to 50 prospects perfectly and call their exact phone, leave them a message. I've been reading stuff like fanatical prospecting from Jeb Blunt. And I also read like the 10X rule from Cardone. And so I was sort of like, I'm 10Xing everything. So it was sort of like the fanatical man who's like, I'm prospecting at night and I'm prospecting on the weekend. I'm prospecting all day. And I ended up reading a book called the 80-20 rule, which disabused me of this this madness because I realized that I'm still wasting 80% of the system. Yeah. I'm reading essentialism right now. And it's the same point where the one thing is, you know, 10Xing everything. The word priority initially could only be restricted to one. That's what I've learned so far. You can't have five priorities. So I would hone in on like, this is the exact list of 50 accounts that have the coolest mobile apps that are the biggest fit for our solution. These are the exact five people who care. And then over and over, I would triple them. I'd call them, I'd leave a voicemail, I'd send an email. And the faster and more compact and saturated and the shorter the messages, I'd start getting these email responses. The CEO would come to town or my boss would come to town from Seattle and they took me aside and said, you know, uh, the chief chief strategy officer uh, feels that you're not really a cultural fit. (laughs) We've heard that you're in a back room rattling a script like over and over on a phone. That's not what we do here. We build relationships. It's a strategic sale. (laughs) Um, What turns out, though, is the phone was just one component. My emails were very... um, you know, relevant. I would look up their app. I would figure out an insight. I'd read the reviews from the uh, their customers. And so everything was pretty intricate on the digital side, but the phone touch was just pretty simple. So this became combination prospecting. Yeah, It was the same when I saw teams at Exact Target and Salesforce and LinkedIn. The best SDRs were combining these touches in these really rapid successions and they're hyper concise. I always joke, I had this rep I managed on the East Coast and he did this really weird thing. 
he would call prospect and say, Hey, um, John, it's, it's Chris from Swerve. Are you around on Tuesday? And the prospect would say, no, I'm not. And then he'd send an email. Hey, John, it's Chris from Swerve. Are you around on Tuesday? And he was the highest converting rep ever. I'm like, there's no content in the email and there's no content in the call. Why does it work? This confounded me for years. And then I learned that it's cause he didn't like, you know, give an F like he basically put out this vibe. Like he's just getting the point. Like, I'm in sales. You're my prospect. Are you around on Tuesday? It's just the ultimate, like, I know it's Chris. He's nice. And they would preference him because he just got straight to the point and just asked for what he wanted where every other rep's like, John, the reason for my call is, you know, and it just starts going into this whole, you know, potion and sorcery and all this linguistic jujitsu. And the guy just called up and asked, and he became one of the top AEs in the world. I'm happy to have trained him, but in many ways I learned from him. Um, what I learned through all these techniques um, so I ended up relocating Seattle and running global sales development for this company called tune.com, which is an awesome company. It became a double acquisition. Rich Wong, uh, a VC tier one at icon was behind it. They sold the affiliate business off to constellation. And then, um, the app division I was in became part of branch. So these two splashy acquisitions, I had reps in Berlin, in, in Gangnam, uh, South Korea, uh, Singapore, I was running techniques in six countries. I was working all these time zones. So uh, lo and behold, InsideSales.com does a competition for the best SDR mine in the world. And who wins? The co-founder of Data Nice, uh, Ben Sardella. And I'm sure everyone in this call has been following Inside Sales for a long time. He's got this new company called Outbound Works. And Outbound Works' goal is to automate sales development. Super cool, right? So that's you know, my love language and like my sweet spot, they're playing yeah. a certain type of jazz. You know, they've started, started bebop over here and no <laughs> one understands what the heck they're doing. They're way ahead of the market. Um, so we started talking, I was a prospect at tune and it was the kind of email thread where he shared some ideas and I wrote him back like, you know, 3000 words. So like, here's everything that's broken with sales development. Right. To respond. <laughs> hey, talk to our CEO. So I talked to the CEO. I was like, can you fly to San Francisco next weekend? I'm like, sure. So I go to San Francisco, go to this like VC angel loft. Like they have these apartments. I mean, Silicon Valley is, is nuts like this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They've flown in engineers from all the world. I got 15 people. And for three straight hours, I just talked about every way that I'd ever generated a business meeting. Then the goal was to turn this all into code. Yeah basically create artificial intelligence and machine learning systems mapped to my brain about what I think about when I prospect. And so Ben, who really is the best sales development mind in the world, like I've watched him build to a $10 million run rate, the fastest I've ever seen anyone in my life. But he just said, Justin, your ability to articulate this stuff is super unusual yeah. because I've run teams up to a thousand. I've had to, to teach teams. And when I train teams, it's so tactical. I saw a, a documentary on Bikram yoga <laughs> and I know it's controversial, but the guy could look at the human body and say, here's what's wrong. Here's the type of yoga you need for your spine or you need to adjust an injury you have. And I can look at any sales rep and in an instant understand, Oh, you're too formal on your LinkedIn message. You're averse to the phone calling piece. Yep. I can just, I can look at any sales development program and within seconds I can crack every rep. And once I crack every rep, the tide rises, uh, the whole concept of like group training and, uh, just, there's no retention there. Yeah. So I, I get in trouble when I do consulting cause they're like, you can't scale this tactically. It's impossible. You're going to sit in the Slack channel and let like 150 people Slack to you all day. And I'm like, yeah, that's how I train people. <laughs> I want to know how every single person like Moneyball, where everybody is strong and weak. Yes. And then position them all to be effective. So I, I need to slow down now because <laughs> No, this is this is money. And so you know what's what's interesting, there's there's a gentleman that I'm I'm pretty close with. He's a mentor of mine. His name's Wyatt Woodsmall. So he is he is one of the original certified I don't even know what the p official title is, but he's like the certified grand poobah of NLP type thing. Like he taught Tony <laughs> Robbins. Okay. So Wyatt talks about how in this current expert revolution that we have going on, there are a lot of people who have gotten amazing results and then they try to teach how they think they did it. And what's amazing about the way that your mind works, and I don't even know if you realize this, is it's not just that you try to teach how you think you did it. You are able, just like you said, you're able to articulate how you did it and guide people through a process not so that they can become a mirror image of you, but so that they can 
tweak it and, and actually make your processes and your thought process their own and become effective. I mean, I've seen it happen. I've seen so many people that have come into this sales boards community that, that are just starting off that are just getting things going that have, you know, they would personally say, Hey, I've sucked at sales for the past three years. And they get on one call with Justin. They spend 30, 45 minutes going through some frameworks. Hey, this is what you may want to look at. You may, And then it's like the next day, Hey, I booked six appointments. I booked seven meetings tomorrow for my AE. And it's just like this consistent ability to effectively <laughs> relate what you know. And it's incredible. It's incredible to watch. It's it's fun, you know, because obviously I, I played guitar for 20 years and I got very advanced with jazz and jazz theory. And I got to the level where I was playing some of these really impossible scales where you're really on the edge of what the music theory is even doing. You know, I love this artist named Jacob Collier because he breaks music theory. But to break a theory, you have to learn it all. So I've studied and thought about challenger sales very deeply and gone through Sandler training and Miller Hyman and Taz and battle plan and all the way back to all the big hardware on-prem teachings. And Tony Hughes has, has walked me through the history of strategic sales. He, he ran regions in APAC and went up against Salesforce, ran sugar CRM, open text. He was a GM, you know, had hundreds of employees. Um, Rahul is joking that we need a decryption mechanism for me <laughs> for the cyborg talk. <laughs> hey, you know, it, he's not wrong. He's not wrong sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So, you know what? I, I modeled my career in a way after Tony Robbins because I know that like people would often just like come sit with him. And after one meeting, they, you could, he would crack the code on their life. And I realized that that was something that um, people wanted to do. People are struggling right now. Their job is they have to get 11 meetings or they're going to be on a PIP, yep. a performance improvement plan. Yep. I have a friend now um, in Europe, and I don't know if I influenced it, but she is with a famous company, and she just got off the PIP, and I love that. I used to say 30 triples a day keeps the PIP away because I just want to help these reps. Now, I worked with a, a rep at a very famous um, sales tools company as I was uh, beta testing these techniques, and we just have a couple calls a month, and he called me after three months and said, look, I, I went from being on the performance improvement plan. I'm now the top rep ever sales development rep and I'm going to Vegas to get an award. And I was just like, what? You know, so <laughs> it's not that I can crack you on the first moment, but um, by and large, uh, some big things, there's some big problems happening. Um, marketing, and I love marketing, they've taken over sales. Yeah. So basically, marketing loves long form content because long form content is great for SEO. Yep. And when you produce longer form content and put it in the open internet, it creates backlinks and it gets you ranked and it really works great. And so if you just make your sales emails be these multi-paragraph marketing emails, that's going to be great. And you get false positives. Every once in a while, prospect goes, this email's amazing. You really reached <laughs> me. It's so incredible. But the real problem is the prospects usually with the money feel like this. It's the first date. Look, I went on your Facebook. I mean, you didn't invite me. We're not friends, but I noticed that you love George Michael. So I went on eBay and I got a first edition Wham single signed by George Michael. Just wanted to bring this to our first date, right? Stage five clinger, creepy. Like there's no way to get another date. Like they're going to question taking the drink. They'd be like, what's in my drink? You know, it's not a good, it's not a good look. But these reps, these, these SDRs, and they're 600,000, they've been trading, like, research, read the annual report, talk to them about their rewards, look at their articles, go over the LinkedIn, see the connections in common, prove how the connections in common. And it's just, they're trying so hard that the C-level gets five, ten of these and goes, yes. oh, that's going to be expensive. Ah, that's, I'll start that for later. And so level of effort is not always rewarded yeah. is the crazy realization that I had. Now, yep. there's other reasons from neuroscience. One, a three-sentence email is processed in 3.3 seconds, where a three-paragraph email is 13 seconds. Yep. Secondarily, the human brain is still having so much trouble reading. Um, a visual is processed 60,000 times faster than text. So I isolated that email should be visuals. Yes. So during this time, I started sending these weird Venn diagrams or stuff out of you know, PowerPoints to, um, <laughs> to the prospects. And I would convert on the first send, the second send. Yes. And I've integrated this whole Venn diagram and visual system in there. Um, all I remember is I was sitting in Chinatown alone, 
and being chastised and pretty much being told I wasn't a cultural fit. And then a year later, I was standing up in front of 350 people at a tier one VC-backed company and receiving the Elon Musk Award for relentless resourcefulness. And basically, without them spending too much money on me, I was crushing the top of the funnel. Yep. Um, and I want to teach people how to do that. And I also was really inspired by like Bob Ross, just like happy little trees. Like I've created these paint by number systems. They're so easy. People take my grids and like my little cheat code stuff and they just copy and paste it and it sets. Yep. And that won't work forever because soon everyone's going to go short. It's like fashion. You know, everyone buys juicy couture and then it's not, no one wants to have velour sweatsuits anymore. Right. Yep. You know, for my programs, I talk a lot about heuristics, which is a coding word. I try to teach people the why behind the linguistics, the implications, the overlays, the meta frameworks. Yes. And uh, this is even more important is understanding why you're sending the picture and, and why you're shortening the text. So that's how I revolutionized email. Super short, um, emotional resonance, pain and fear, these little email hacks. And then it was time to do that for the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and then I found this crazy thing with every phone script. Every single phone script is like, you don't know me or the reason for my call. Everyone calls you up and starts talking about themselves. Yep. It's like, I know I've interrupted you and now I'm going to hook you. I'm going to say something that's so personal. That's so amazing that you're going to go, I don't mind you're selling me and I'm going to clue <laughs> in. doesn't work that way. Going back to Ogmandino and Dale Carnegie and all these people is like, they only want to talk about themselves. Yep. And they only want to talk. They don't want you to talk. Yes. And I, I was like, well, how do I interrupt you and get you to talk? That's how I figured out the system. Yeah. And I figured out as a transfer power, the, the most interesting thing for a person working on a job is actually not the problem they're trying to solve. It's actually them telling you about their power, what they're in charge of, how they got that role, their story, how they were promoted. They don't want to necessarily be responsible for all their problems. So even talking about their problems is a second order value, right? They've been in that job for six months. They've inherited the tech stack, inherited the IT problem. Um, so I have this really radical script where I call up a head of IT and I say, who's in charge of IT? And it produces this crazy Jedi mind trick, if you ask it right, where they kind of go, I am. Well, that's interesting. Tell me about it. And then they just rattle. I, I'll, I'll get like... I remember Josh Braun sat in on one of my cold calls <laughs> and it lasted 22 minutes. And he was going, what the heck is this guy saying? <laughs> well, I'm not saying much. I have like a 5% talk time on these calls and I'm trying yeah. to get people to open up. The more they talk, the more they calm down and they just see me as a, as a friend and it's disarming. And then they open up and say, wait, what do you do again? Or what's your product? Um, you Thank know, it's you. incredible. This, this makes me think of um, very early on when you and I first started kind of doing some work together and I started kind of tuning in on some of the stuff you were doing. I literally watched you on a Friday afternoon, Friday evening, really. It was Friday afternoon for you. I'm on the East Coast. So it was like it was well after five o'clock. I think it may have been six, seven o'clock Eastern on a Friday. And I want to say it was a holiday weekend. Make a phone call to what you thought was the head of growth for a company that turns out to be the CEO getting on his boat for the holiday weekend. And I thought, oh, this is not going to go well. Like this is, <laughs> this is going to blow up. This is going to be one of those where I get to see Justin get punched in the face. And 10 minutes later, after you're talking to this guy and just having a conversation he not only does he say, okay, well, Hey, let's have this conversation next week. Here's who you should get in touch with. I'll send them an email and I'll <laughs> copy you on it. And then while we're sitting there later on talking, you're like, you're not going to believe this. This email just came through where he's actually making the referral. Cause we were all like, wouldn't you want him, you know, wouldn't you want him to go ahead and make that referral or you go ahead and send the email. And then the email just comes through and it's what, and, and I remember at that point, that's when I realized it was not your script. It was not just some sort of framework. It was the fact that you think differently about it. And when, because you think differently, you started with that. Why you really were on that call to connect with that person. And we hear all this crap about, Oh, you need to be social selling. Oh, you like what you're talking about. Let's spend six months researching their earnings report and who their favorite band is and send them, send them to that concert. 
when in reality, that's not how humans connect, but you have made it just this amazing framework of how humans connect. Yeah. So that was really cool. So I called the guy on the boat and he goes, yeah, uh, it's Friday night. I'm getting on my boat. So my whole system is about pattern interrupts too. And that comes from Sandler in a way. I was most inspired by David Sandler. I read all his books and systems and I went through the training. But I think what the main trainer did is I talked to this guy, Matt Benelli, who had sold at Oracle for Sandler for 20 years. And I was like, just break it down. What is it? He said, this is it. Anytime you want to do anything, like from your gut, do the opposite. Anything you're going to do in a sales process, just do the opposite. So the guy tells me he's on this boat. What's a, I think in my mind, like in a millisecond, what's the craziest thing I could say right now? It's not disrespectful. <laughs> and I go, I literally just said it out loud. I call this breaking the fourth wall. This is where you turn to the audience and just paint the scene. And I said, look, you're on a boat on a Friday and I'm cold calling in my backyard. Uh, what did you do right in life? Like, how can I be more like you? And he goes, you need to get older. And I was like, well, I just turned 40, so I got you there. He goes, no, real old. You know, and I'm just like, so funny. He cracked me up. I was like, look, I, I am a cold caller, but I just, I actually really would like to, um, yeah, I, I would like to get to a point in my life where I could like have a boat and be that successful. Like, what are some tips? And then he starts talking about his career and what he's doing. And then he says, wait, what do you do again? What, why are you actually calling me? The polarity shifts because then he becomes interested in that moment where the prospect actually just, it's permission-based marketing. You know, Seth yeah. Godin nailed this, Jay Bear, exact target. The whole idea is no one in this world will buy until they want it. If people yes. love to buy, they hate to be sold. This comes from Gittimer. Yep. Until they give you permission, until they're interested. So it's weird. You can call them and you can throw shiny baubles and fireworks at them all day and just try to like convince them. And all they're going to do is push back and tell you more and more and more why they're right and their solution's right. There's that magic moment. It's so subtle. And it even exists in business deals where the pole shifts from, you know, they're, you're driving the sale to they're driving the sale. You know, it makes me think a lot of, um, I just recently finished reading uh, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss and how he talks about asking those questions that then puts the other person to work solving your, quote, problem. And it's just, it's incredible because you've done that and not even necessarily, I'm going to assume probably having, at least when you first came up with this, not read his book. And so like seeing that, um, that process come in and seeing that, Hey, let, let me put you to work on buying my, let me put you to work on telling me why I should sell you what I've got versus like, Hey, let me, like you're saying, let me hammer you with shiny objects until you think that something's shiny enough. Yeah. So, um, Denis up in, uh, Quebec or Toronto, maybe I'm gonna get it wrong. He said, Gittimer didn't invent buying versus being sold. That's true. <laughs> but what I love about Gittimer is he has a lot of that classic logic. Like yeah. right now we're in this ecosystem where reps have, you know, I'm going to use outreach and send 10,000 emails. Look how many meetings I got. I got eight. Well, what do I do if I have to talk to a person? Okay. So yeah, Denis is taking it to an even better place. So here's the facts. If you go back and read sales books from the 1940s, even the late 1800s, there's all sorts of cool stuff in there. You know, I've been doing that is, um, ah, oh, it's going to kill me. He's the, uh, Todd Capone. He was my trainer at exact target. He has the transparency sale. He's like, he analyzes all this research and he goes back and looks at these historical sales books. Uh, Denis yeah. is saying that the early Greeks invented it. Sure. I'm sure the Greeks and Egyptians were selling all sorts of things. Yeah, um, <laughs> these systems can't be new. Um, I think that a lot of the classical models, like, the best sales books aren't necessarily about sales at all. There's a lot of really cool things out of economics and history. I love uh, Nicholas Taleb, the black swan, anti-fragile. I've pulled yep. some of my cool t calling techniques out of that. Anti-fragility, what is that? That is a chaos system. That's chaos theory where the worse it gets, the stronger and less fragile the system gets. So what is a cold caller? You're sitting and you're spending hundreds of hours getting rejected. So is there a way to emotionally adapt yourself into an anti-fragile storm system, right? Where it's like, you actually enjoy the pain. You actually enjoy the rejection, right? In baseball, if you hit two out of 10, you're minor league. Three out of 10, you're a pro. Four out of 10 balls, and you're the greatest of all time. Yeah. So you have to be failing six out of 10, but then you're the greatest. It's like a reverse wired sport. And that's how 
it is in sales. So I, I, I like to read a lot of crazy stuff um, about markets, theories, history, and pull from, you know, everything from Buckminster Fuller to, you know, Deming or, God, there's just so many good ones. Drucker is awesome. Yeah. I'm inspired across all of business and all of history and all angles of society to revolutionize this field. So we revolutionize the emails. We revolutionize the calls. And that's kind of what the job is. You're sitting in Sales Navigator. You're making calls and emails happen. And you're waiting around a lot to try to get responses. Because what's mainly happening is you're rejected. So what is it a game of? It's a game of mindset. The growth mindset versus the fixed mindset. And I talk about this a lot with Josh Braun. And Carol Dweck was brought in the minute Microsoft shifted over to Satya Nadella. The first thing he did is bring in Carol Dweck. Um, and I have gone through the Chris, the Chris Voss training. And I have spoken with Chris Voss and Jocko Willink. And uh, a friend of mine jokes because I'm always saying, yeah, I talk to all the authors I read. I'm sure they're super annoyed. I mean, I write them these very short, <laughs> succinct emails. I'm like, I'm on page 72, and I agree with this statement. And every time I do that, they respond. That's, That's awesome. Cool. And I did the Chris Voss training. I'll be honest, I failed. I split the difference and I was pretty pissed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. You know, you talked about getting, getting to the point of almost, I call it almost being bulletproof and, and bulletproof is probably not the best, the best phraseology because it, it almost implies like a, uh, a superhero, superhuman or superhero state of man, being, which it's not, it's just a mindset. Um, but Denise here, uh, he says, let's talk about rejection versus refusal. Um, I would love to hear, you know, what your take on that is. I, that's not necessarily a, a dichotomy that I've dove yeah. into. So what I can say about that is that um, there is only no. Every sale I've ever done was with somebody that had the competitor and said no. This is like the great secret. There's no order taking anymore. Everything's a commodity. So if you're getting rejected, no. that's my expectation. Like the art of sales, the art and science of uh, science silence of sales, huh, is <laughs> you need to convince someone to change, uh, it's change management, right? So that's yeah. why I love Scott Lees and the um, Addicted to the Process book, because in order for someone to change, they have to first admit that they're willing to change. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, I didn't even know I had a mic in this. I always thought it was mic'd to the computer. <laughs> uh, I can adjust that. Um, so yeah, so being comfortable with rejection takes time because it's still like on a cerebral level really hard to feel the sting of that, you know? Um, let me try this, see if the sound is better. Clear? Is this okay? This works, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so I mean, how did I get used to that? After 20,000 hours, I always talk about like a biathlon where you ski down the hill and then they work on heart rate techniques to get their heart rate to, to breathing, which I could use right now, <laughs> to like a <laughs> heart so they can focus and hit the target. Um, most people on cold calls get really hyped up and really nervous and very anxious. And I don't. I actually, as I'm being rejected, I feel myself hit this Zen place where it's just like, like, I know I'm about to like turn this thing around. And when I do the mock calls, people love it. They come in from all over the world. They're like, whoa, they totally were angry at you in the first three seconds and said not interested, and you kept them on the phone for six minutes. What is this? How do you do it? <laughs> because I expect them all, they don't want to be interrupted, and no one's like waking up looking for vendors to talk to you. So I expect okay. that I'm going to have to use some kind of process to turn them around. We have 10 minutes, so I'd love to take questions. Yeah, W. Clement yeah. Stone, huge, Denis. That was uh, actually Jack Canfield's, uh, Jack Canfield's mentor. Um, yep. And, you know, talking about old sales books, Gittimer, um, he, he's obviously a huge Napoleon Hill person. He did the book, The Truthful Living, which is where the Napoleon Hill Foundation actually gave him access to a bunch of the Napoleon Hill manuscripts that were there before he did Think and Grow Rich, before he was commissioned. And he did that book. But he's also a huge Orison Sweat Martin is a guy that uh, get them or researches and studies at a high level. And it's amazing to see like that true evergreen content coming in. Um, you know, so before we go to questions, I want to just say, this is pretty cool. I love connecting people and knowing the fact that we're just sitting here doing a live and people are saying, Hey, let's connect to each other. That's awesome. I just, 
it's like it's just kind of one of those little esoteric things i'm just like this is good stuff i felt almost feel like get for a second you know on his morning lives that he does every day where it's like people are saying hi back and forth and hey they're doing business back and forth <laughs> so let's see um what kind of questions does anybody have that's i mean we've we've covered a lot um and i see firstly this is this morning, by the way, uh, today is November the 9th for anybody who's watching a replay on this. Justin did a post and I don't have it pulled up right here in front of me, so I'm not going to try to quote it. Uh, just check out the post that Justin did today because it was one of the best mindset shift posts when you're talking about cold outreach or just outreach in general, prospecting and sales in general. I read that thing three or four times this morning. Because I'm t- the your ability to communicate that stuff is just incredible. Thank you. Um, well, here's the thing. Like I, um, this is what I realized, and this is kind of wild. So, the 101 trainers, the sales 101, it's great, and everybody has to have the 101. But Einstein said this weird thing. There's a few quotes that I love. He says, "Make everything as simple as possible, but not too simple." And I think what we're seeing in sales is it's just not that simple. By the yeah. time I figure out how to do my social selling on Sales Navigator, but then how to use a data platform to figure out my trigger events, get my phone numbers to work, get my emails. Oh, then I have to program a sequencer to pre-program. <laughs> but then I, I also have to use this whole recording thing so my manager can hear my calls. This is like the four stack. This this is like table stake stack. Yep. But then I have to understand like what templates to write. Now I have to become a writer. Oh, now I'm gonna. I send my first templates, and I figure out the whole stack. Guess what? I got zero meetings. What is this? Yes. The amount of effort just to do nothing is insane. Exactly. It's hours of training and a thousand dollars per rep a month just to fail. And that's why I'm very excited about things like uh, guided selling and algorithmic guided selling because it helps tell the rep, "Hey, contact this person in this way, yeah. or you write this message, or this deal stalled too long, or you only have one stakeholder in the deal. Add more," and it helps coach and guide the reps based on benchmark data. And so I've been really excited about um, some analysis that Forrester and Gartner are doing around that and some companies that are building toward that uh, uh, really excite me because I'm on a mission to make life easier for these reps. Why? Because I really believe the job should be this, talking. Human-human interaction and old school soft skills like creativity, scoping, active listening, empathy, you know, brainstorming, let's put some smart people in a room and see what happens. What's so crazy is I'm one of the most new school practitioners of B2B sales, probably in the entire world, have a cyborg on my face on LinkedIn, but the whole purpose is heart-centered. I just, I want to return the world to innocence. I want SDRs to go away, honestly. What I mean by that is I want all people to do inside sales. I don't want there to be this like class of SDRs that are really like analysts and data entry people. I want it to be this exalted thing, which is like these are the these are the mater D's of the restaurant. Yes. Right? You come in and they they have the deepest knowledge and they can run a demo and they can talk with you. Because we're gonna see so much automation pick up that 70% of what's automatable and we're gonna have live fire. So when I use these power dialers, yeah, I'm an SDR, but what am I doing? I'm talking to 20 people in 90 minutes. Yes. I'm breaking the sound barrier. And the reason it converts is the more and more people you talk to live the more and more calm you get. Yes. And when it's not scarce, when you don't have to convert that person, you can waste it. And then you can just be real. I don't have to sell you. I've got 19 more conversations. Yes. And now I have an abundance of contacts. And I can just be myself. And I can tell you, it might work. It might not. I can be honest. I can be calm. Yeah. There's great stress and pressure if you call for eight hours, 100 people, and you may only talk to three or four executive assistants. Yep. But you have to generate you know, 11 opportunities that month and it's week two of your quarter and you've legitimately only talked to three people. Yeah. Oh, this yeah. Is, it's a common refrain. These pains are huge for millions of people. Um, yeah. Mm. So there's out. There's so, um, so Mike Kaushik, and I hope I'm pronouncing it right. The Delta between managers. Okay. So I have a lot of reps. I coach and I train and I mentor all over the world and not everybody pays me to do it. I'm very mission driven. If you're, a student, a veteran, if you're hurting, if you're broke, if you, you know, reach out to me, you'd be surprised. I give a lot of time to people uh, for no reason at all, except it feels good in my heart. Um, managers don't get it. 
And a lot of times managers go, okay, we've doubled the quota. I need everybody to hit 50 calls a day, 200 calls a day. Actually, there's this lovely thing that I heard about. It's a legend. DocuSign, I think, lowered the daily call volume to 50 because it just became inhumane to ask these reps to do 100 calls a day. Yeah. And they felt like it was more millennial-centric to do 50. I like 30 triples. But remember, that's like the equivalent of 90 touches. A triple is call, email, email. It's a flow, like it's a blend. You can yeah. make that your own. You could do um, Kayla Citron Thaler in my group. She does video prospecting. She crushes it. I'd call that a triple. I mean, she researches, oh, yeah. the video message, connects on LinkedIn. It's her own magical blend. It's This is definitely not a game, though, of just banging the phone or automating emails or sitting on Twitter and LinkedIn all day. You have to bring them together. Yep. But management may never understand. And, um, and that's okay because I've managed the teams myself and I've never had a single company let me just uh, just manage. They've always said, and can you carry number two? And can you bang the phone too? So I'm like, I'm sitting there with a pod of five or 10 SDRs and I'm making the calls also and I'm in the arena. So I became kind of an octopus. Yeah. Um, how, how are we going to revolutionize and change this and get more em empathy out of the management? I don't know. Um, C19 didn't help us. We've got a lot of aggressive targets over a lot of folks that um, – can't hit the number. So we're right here butting up on the hour. And what I want to say, if you're on this call and you like what I've had to say, come join my digital dojo. Uh, if you're watching Cobra Kai, I basically have this place and it's called a discord server and it holds 550,000 people. And I used to charge a hundred bucks for it, but now I charge $1 one time. And if you saw this podcast, just ping me, I'll give you a link. You can go in for free. What do we do all day? Seriously, we sit in there and we do. Yep. It's not just a Slack channel where we post stuff. Like we go in there and you share your email and say, how would you fix it? And 500 people look at it. Or you go in there and you listen to me do cold calls and you can ask me questions. It's like this weird gamification video game server and it's for B2B. Now Morgan J. Ingram has one. And um, I think uh, Mateo has one. Um, and, you know, there's a couple people who have done this also. So I don't want to claim the only one in the world. Um, but you come in there and it's not just learning from me or learning my method. You know, Josh yep. Brown made some appearances. We have Craig Elias from Shift Selling. Um, some of Warren Claff's people are there. And it's a whole community of doers who have the problem. They must generate meetings and opportunities this month, just like you. And there's someone in the world. And it's not working. And sometimes my method just cracks it. And sometimes it's a blend of, like, my method and the Braun Holland methods or other methods. And I, I promote everybody's method. I'm open source. They're like... Justin, you're killing your business. You're promoting all these other courses. Christine, <laughs> nothing here. Created the Out on Fire framework. I love that. Buy it. I said buy it. They, Twenty people bought it. You know, I'm, I'm like, I just want to jam on everyone's record. I want to help everyone who has this problem. If you're sitting there and you're desperate and you can't book your meetings, you don't have to have imposter syndrome or thinks it's impossible. Come and try some of my hacks. Reach out to me personally. I'll help you because I just, I love solving it. And we have this channel that's, uh, you know. <laughs> I don't know if I can curse on here, but oh, OS, it works, you know, and it's yep. all day, just people firing the results. And that powers me. It's yep. the coolest thing ever. And you're in there, Brad, and you know about it. So uh, maybe we could just wrap. Yeah, absolutely. So this is, this is by all means, I put the, Justin's link tree at the bottom here. There are so many resources that he has available. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and let you go back out here for just a second. And I'm going to say, when it comes to Justin's community, that he has built the degree of help that goes on in that community is bar none, like nothing I've ever seen. So if you are in that situation where you're in sales development, or if you're just, if you're a leader, or if you're even interested in what Justin has talked about today, hop on there. I mean, it's a dollar for God's sake, it's a dollar. So hop on there. And if nothing else, you put yourself into an opportunity to give and contribute at a level that uh, you probably would have had an opportunity before. With that, I'm going to go ahead and close us out. I really appreciate you for tuning in here to the second episode of Leading to Sales. We will be live again on Thursday. That will be Thursday, November the 12th. We're going to be going live at 3.30 p.m. Eastern with none other than Jeff Van Asdal, the founder of Leah. That's um, a developer a lead engagement app that is an amazing opportunity if you are in the event business at all. Um, so tune into that. He has definitely put together some 
really awesome technology for a lot of people. So I look forward to talking to you then. And with that, we thank you again for tuning in with us live here today with Justin Michael. And don't forget as we, as we sign out every time that we are keeping LinkedIn real.